able to pick up both of these easily. I'm guessing for around 70 bucks, right? So uh, let me see back in the past book section. Who reads books anymore? Okay, um, into the DVD section. Oh, FFFF Fringe. Okay, season one. Uh, $60? You got to be kidding me. My wife only gives me allowance of $75. There's no way I'm going to be able to pick up Fringe. Well, what's Dollhouse? $50 for Dollhouse? It's only half a season. 13 episodes. Give me a break. I'm not going to get I can't get any of these. I get one, but I want both. <sighs> Wait a minute. What's that? Uh, hello? You mean I can get both of these for $70? Where, now, where's that? MySciFiStore.com MySciFiStore.com It enables me to get both of these for 70 bucks? I'm going there. Screw cars and bobble. I'm out of here. MySciFiStore.com Saving you money from here to the end of the universe. Welcome to the Dining at the End of the Universe podcast where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations of the latest science fiction movies and television shows that we are watching. If you want to find out more about Dining at the End of the Universe, please visit DiningAtTheEndOfTheUniverse.com. Welcome to the Diner. Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe. My name is Scott, and with me is... Miles P. McLaughlin via Skype. Yes, and we have via Skype today. We actually recorded part of our show yesterday, but because of the length of the interview, we were unable to finish the show, so we're doing that today. Not a real big deal, but we are doing it via Skype. He's from his cozy home somewhere over the Atlantic. But anyways, uh, <clears throat> I want to welcome you to the show. We are the Sci-Fi Guys, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that. In a little bit. Today, tonight's agenda basically is Shorely. We're going to be talking about Shorely, Shorely, Shorely. We have an interview with Michael Schilling, and it should be awesome. It was a good interview yesterday, wasn't it, Miles? Oh, I had a great time, and I, could, and I you know, his enthusiasm was very infectious uh, for this convention and just uh, all that's going on. So we look forward to bringing that to you toward the second half of the show. So uh, that's kind of where we're going to be going. By the way, I did want to apologize. Those of you who downloaded the last episode, it went right, went up, or when it went up right away, uh, probably found half the episode missing. We kind of stopped in the missile, middle of us talking about uh, Whedon, and um, well, I'm not sure what happened. And something transferred in the FTB uh, upload, or in the netherworld, or in uh, outer space, aliens came and stole it away. Nonetheless, if you want to listen to the whole episode, the current episode is now uploaded and you can hear it. And I'm very, very sorry for that. And uh, thank you to Miles the Man for actually um, catching that. <laughs> so I tried to listen to it right away. Yep, yep. And, and I do too. But for some reason, I think I listened to it when I created it, but I didn't actually download it and listen to it. So my, uh, my fault there as well. 
Uh, we have a new URL to take you to our sci-fi store. That sci-fi, it's, it's literally called My Sci-Fi Store, and it'll take you to all the DVDs and books that we're recommending and talking about, and we're constantly updating it. Um, especially to note is, of course, the release of the Dollhouse, D- Dollhouse DVDs, which happens later on this month, or July, that is. And uh, we are excited about that, aren't we, Miles? Absolutely. Um Started slow, but uh, it got better throughout the, and it had a very great season finale. And uh, come check out the store. If it, one thing you'll find on, on the Amazon site is, um, you might save a few bucks uh, buying from there than say uh, going to uh, your retail store. Right. Oh, absolutely, you will. And uh, you know, if you buy two or three things and get your uh, cost up over twenty five bucks, they ship it for free, and that's even better. Absolutely. But uh, anyways, we're excited about that. Uh, Dollhouse, of course, has a fabled 13th episode that never aired, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. I am, at least. So. Oh, I am, too. Yeah. Uh, why don't you talk about the uh, Cafe Press store? Yes. Yeah, so, so something else we, we have offering. Cafe Press is great if you want to create your own T-shirts or mugs or buttons. Uh, so far, we have uh, T-shirts and buttons there. So um, if you want to you know, help spread the word about, about the, our podcast um, – you could buy a T-shirt or wear a button. Uh, maybe you could buy one before uh, shore leave and uh, wear it while you're there. Help, help, help spread the word about our podcast. Right, right. And uh, the URL for that will be in our show notes so you can get to that. By the way, we have two new URLs that will direct you to our site, our Dining at the End of the Universe site. Uh, Miles and I kind of sat down and we said, you know what? Dining at the End of the Universe.com is a nice URL and all, but it's kind of long and maybe a bit difficult to type in there. We got some shorter URLs, all that represent us, we feel. Um, the first URL you can use to get to our show is the Sci Fi Fanboys. Dot com and the uh, second one is the sci-fi guys and we are the sci-fi guys and we're also fanboys so it works right miles absolutely yeah absolutely that works for us um okay and uh, you want to talk about transformers sure uh transformers opens um today i believe actually it is today isn't it by the time you hear this podcast it'll probably be friday and uh, so it'll be two days ago but that's all right let us know i mean see the movie let us know what you think good or bad you could Email us or, 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 or put your comments on Twitter. We'll, we'll have a poll also on our on the website. But let us know uh, what you think of Transformers. And you can call in. The number is 206-600-4824. And uh, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think of Transformers. Um, we're stoked about this movie. And so uh, we'll see what happens. So ready. Uh, I know it's already earned some money overseas. And uh, we'll, see what ha- we'll see how it goes. But you excited about the movie, Miles? I am. I, I don't know. It'll probably be at least a week before I be able to see it, but uh, I, I am. I am excited for the movie. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move into our uh, trivia question for uh, this week, um, Scott? I, forgive me, but I forget the trivia question. For this oh, week. then I'll do the trivia question. It was. It had to do with Simon Young Simon Tan. Does that ring a bell? That's right. Now, now I remember it. Yes. Uh, do you want to give the trivia question? Yes, uh, in the in the episode Ariel, we see a younger Simon Tam and younger um, uh, River. Who is the actor who played uh, young Simon? He is seen very prominently in the Disney movies, and the answer is. And that was the episode Ariel, right? Yes, uh, Ariel. Yeah, and, and the answer is what? Zach Efron. Yes, uh, High School Musical guy, right? Uh, yeah. And we had two people. Two people answer, actually answer that correctly, and they were. Let's see. Uh, Matt Mather was one of them. Yeah, and Larry Myers was the other. So kudos to you guys for actually answering that question correctly. And um, 
By the way, uh, we our winner last week refuses to give us his address. Sucks to you, Hearn. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll get that we'll get that address from you yet. Yeah, so if not, we are tracking you. So we will figure it out. I have the program in place, and uh, the computer will narrow narrow down the location soon. We will find you. We will. We will find you. Okay, into some show news. Or into show news. Into some news. What is this news thing they speak of? It's massive. It's big. News. All right, uh, sci-fi fans. Um, and, and Heroes fans in particular. I've uh, got some bad news for you. Unfortunately, um, we, we said la- last time that Brian Fuller was you know, excited for the new season and talked about it. Well, he, uh, he abruptly stepped down. So he is not going to be involved with Heroes uh, for now. We don't have anything official what he's doing. I, I sort of think maybe, possibly, uh, he's working on this getting Star Trek to a small screen. But don't we, hold me to that. But, we, know uh, that, we, know that we, we know that he said he wanted to do it. Yeah. Oh, yes, he did, and um, so maybe he's going to he's going to try to shoot for that. Well, I know that the website had said that there's two pilots that he's working on. No details as to what the pilots are, but that was one of the reasons between that and Heroes, it was too much. Is kind of the excuse he said. Brian Fuller, of course, is most notable this past season for writing the episode Cold Snap in Heroes, which got rave reviews. Kind of said, "Oh, Heroes is back on track." So what does this mean for heroes? Well, we aren't really that sure. Right. But it doesn't look good. Um, yeah, heroes, I mean, uh, there's been a couple couple episodes where they're a little weak, and um, hopefully they can still pull it around even without them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In other news, True Blood, of course, started back up on HBO. Miles, you ever watch True Blood? No, I don't have HBO. So no, I, neither do I. So, you know, quite frankly, we had had this conversation before, either on the air or off the air. I'm not a huge – I like some vampire movies, but I'm just not into the series, the vampire series. Even Buffy, I kind of casually watched, like we mentioned in the last episode. So True Blood, I, I, great for people that love True Blood and are vampire fans, and apparently it opened to rave reviews. But um, just so you know, it's back on. That should be good for uh, vampire fans. Yep, more vampire. We're on the vampire trend, right? Vampires are are, are are big and cool right now. They are big and cool, big and cool. District Nine is a movie that we have not given much attention to, basically because there's not a heck of a lot of information on it. Uh, the information that we have regarding District Nine is really as. Uh, Follows And this movie, by the way, is going to be hitting – it's a movie. It's going to be hitting the U.S. August 14th, 2009. But basically what District 9 is about is um, it's a group of aliens who land in South Africa and they're kind of caught or captured or forced into this – to live in slavery and slum-like conditions under the oppressive – oppressive multinational united corporation things begin to change when the government agent named wilkes gets exposed to an alien biotechnology and begins to mutate <laughs> forcing him to flee into district nine where he becomes a new ally of the alien refugees so it doesn't give away a lot but uh this film has begun to gain a lot of attention uh basically because of its viral marketing campaign I think is what they've said. What they've done is begun to put advertisements on on, on benches and stuff that say says stuff like uh, "bus stop for humans only," "picking up non humans is forbidden, a ten thousand dollar fine," "bus bench for humans only," 
And um, it's kind of resulted in tons of calls to Sony because there's an actual number there that you can call. And I, I was like 200,000 people have called these numbers. So it's kind of this huge viral ma- marketing campaign. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, don't know much about it. Uh, I'll throw an audio clip of the uh, one of the viral marketing campaigns in into the show, and uh, you'll be able to hear it for yourselves. Nobody comes back late at night anymore. They have more security. The government noticed that they were moving into new areas. That's when things started to get out of hand. They don't belong here. They're spending so much money to keep them here when they could be spending it on other things. At least they're keeping them separate from us. A lot of bad things started to happen. They must just go. I don't know where they go. They must just go. We're at the breaking point. People are living in fear. you just leave how do your weapons work I just want everyone watching this right now to learn from what has happened What do you think? What do you think of the concept from what you just know off the description there, Miles? Uh, it, I, I like it. Um, it's, it's different. I mean, it's not aliens invading Earth or whatever, which is all very common right now. It's it's the other way around. It's uh, humans subjugating aliens. So um, it sounds like it'll be kind of a metaphor, allegory for you know oppressed minority or something like that. But it, it could make for some good storytelling. Yeah. Well, you know, it, here's the thing. It seems fairly original. I don't. I don't recall any movie I've ever seen where aliens were enslaved. If anything, humans have been enslaved. Right. So it's the, it's the other way around. This was sort of explored in Alien Nation back in the. There was a movie back in the late oh, 80s. Yes, right. Um, they weren't enslaved, but they weren't a. You know, not necessarily a respected minority either. So, uh, but this one is actually they're being enslaved. So it. Well, they're dealing with a slavery issue too. So that right. So. So that's another so one. social themes. Yeah. So who knows? Well, it might be worth seeing in theaters. We'll wait a little bit closer to the time and hopefully give you some more information on it. Terminator Salvation uh, tops uh, 300 million. It's hunt to beat Star Trek. Uh, <clears throat> although, like we said before, last time, it is not done as well in the States. It's done phenomenal uh, worldwide and it hasn't uh, opened in Mexico yet. Star Trek's foreign is 122.2 million. Uh, 239.4 million domestically, 361.6 total. Um, so Star Trek is still making a lot of money. Terminator is supposed to be released in Mexico July 31st, and that will probably overtake Star Trek's gross uh, when the film's uh, theatrical releases are done. Yeah, they're, ex- uh, they're expecting it to at least. Right now, I believe, what, Terminator's $40 million behind Star Trek overall? I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see, right? The other thing we have to take into account is what? Well, Star Trek um, opened like uh, a week or two earlier than Terminator did. And yeah. 
So it's been out a little longer. Well, it hasn't opened in Mexico. I think that that's going to be the um, you, know, when, when, you know when it opens in Mexico. I think it'll probably do very well down there. Right. Well, that's my guess because Mexico is a pretty big. Uh place for movies uh the other thing is we have to take into account that transformers is going to be released now that's true yeah. that may take some of the you know i'm sure a lot of the attention will be drawn to transformers so i don't know it's kind of interesting because people poo-pooed terminator salvation all over the place here i just got done reading the novel love the novel i'm looking forward to seeing the movie but uh i don't know we'll see we'll see uh money talks right so we'll see what happens right but e- either way i think for both films it's going to make enough money that that they the, uh, put out another one. Oh yeah, both of them scream sequel. So yeah, they do, they do. So we don't, I don't think we have anything to worry about there. Right, right. If you are a Doctor Who fan and love the spinoff Torchwood, Torchwood's coming back for a miniseries, five nights of sci-fi on the BBC America and BBC UK, and that is good for that because it's kind of been off the air. It was cancelled, and they brought it back as a miniseries. It's called Children of Men. And it will air in the U.S. There's one thing I always meant to ask Jack. Back in the old days. I wanted to know about that doctor of his. The man who appears out of nowhere and saves the world, except sometimes he doesn't. All those times in history when there was no sign of him. I wanted to know why not. But I don't need to ask anymore. I know the answer now. Sometimes the doctor must look at this planet and turn away in shame. I'm recording this in case anyone ever finds it so you can see. You can see how the world ended. And it will air in the US, BBC. At 9 Eastern Standard Time, 8 Central Standard Time on July 20th for five nights of Torchwood. So it was pretty good. Did you ever see Torchwood, Miles? No, it didn't really appeal to me. You know what? You? It, it did It did for me for the first season and a half. And then, okay. then it became a platform for social issues, um, especially pushing uh, gay and lesbian issues. Uh, which, you know, I teach his own, but really was not my sort of thing and just kind of turned me off when they kind of took it that direction. It was, it was, it was a very sexual, uh, series to begin with. And, um, they just, I felt like they kind of pushed it for me. Yeah. Personally. Too much. Yeah. Too much. And, you know, again, it's sci-fi and you see that sort of thing in sci-fi. I'm certainly not uh, really offended by that, but it just became, seemed to me more about that than, Chasing aliens, you know, and telling stories. Yeah, so that was my my own opinion of that. And mm-hmm. if you like Torchwood, go ahead, call in, re- give us a recommendation. But that's not uh, how I felt about it. So, mm-hmm. in other news, uh, Rondi Moore's virtuality, uh, the upcoming sci-fi uh, movie um, that began life as a series pilot centers on a starship uh, Phaeton, which is on ten year mission to a distant star and its trouble crew who make use of virtual reality modules to stave off boredom and psychological issues on the way. This looks very interesting to me. Um, you could see a 12-minute clip on Sci-Fi Scoop uh, right. just give you a synopsis of the show, where it's going. Right. And I'll, I'll be putting a small clip of it into the show so you'll actually be able to hear at least a minute or two of that. 
Six months ago, the research vessel Phaeton was launched on an extraordinary mission to the distant star Epsilon Aridani in the search for intelligent life in another solar system. But only a few months into the journey, scientists have made a shocking discovery that Earth will become uninhabitable within a century. Now, this mission of exploration has become a mission of salvation. With the hopes of billions riding on their shoulders, 12 brave astronauts now approach the most critical decision of their lives. Go or no go. Leave the solar system and journey for 10 years, or turn around and come home. The stakes are enormous, the drama intense, and you're along for every step of the way. of never Asian TV only on Fox it's interesting uh, we're excited about this because of Rondi Moore obviously right so it should be good he's he's one of the best writers out there right now right and so we're excited about that and uh, it airs this Friday uh, on Fox and I believe it's at eight eight or nine it's a two-hour uh, pilot uh, it was supposed to be supposed to be a series, uh, but it has not been picked up as a series so it's, they're kind of airing it as a movie Friday night movie and that's it right now uh so we're hoping it does well well enough that fox says you know what let's go ahead and give this guy a series in this well you know what uh bsg was when they did the miniseries uh five or six years ago whenever it was there was no guarantee that it would be picked up so i we, we so there's a good chance that this show may have a chance of uh becoming a regular series yeah well, we'll see. We'll see. In other news, we have uh, Transformers, of course, coming out this week, which we mentioned. Um, I guess notable or not notable, Obama is in Transformers. Uh, and this came out of a story where he kind of praised Michael Bay as being one of the most incredible directors out there. And as a result, uh, Michael Bay said, you know what? Let's put the president in. Uh, now, it's my understanding the president is not actually making an appearance in the movie, but you'll see TV clips of him, like on the television, in ads about him. Uh, so kind of using it to promote a political platform, I guess, of sorts, or his support for Obama. You know, whatever. What do you think of this sort of thing? Um, I wish they would keep politics out of, um, you know... Sci-fi as much as possible. I mean, I know. Now, by, by, by saying that, you're, what you're really saying is politics as far as political figures. Cause yeah, you're, I, cause you're not saying like Battlestar Galactica, for example, had a lot of politics in it. That That's true. It, it, yeah. That, that would have been a better way to say it is because yeah, the fact that the, he's using this movie to sort of endorse Obama, I think is, you know, it, it's a little over the top. Right. Well, and it does seem that way. It does seem to be a bit much, but you know, whatever, just be aware that this is going to be happening and uh, whether you really care about that as far as news or not, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'll still see the movie, and I'll and I'll probably still enjoy it regardless. Yeah, uh, I think we covered it. Star, Star Trek is still in the top ten. Yeah, uh, we're so, excited about that. Yeah, so it's it's still it's still making money here. I mean, it's been it's been the movie theaters uh, a month and a half now, so that's good. Yep, but um, no, good. And we were going to talk about we were going to talk just a little bit about some of the shortly people, but I think Michael Schilling does that well enough. So. Right. Um, that's kind of where we're going to head next. We just, just so you know, that we we interviewed Michael Schilling from Shore Leave uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, it was a phenomenal interview. He talks about the history of Shore Leave. He talks about his love of sci-fi, how he got into sci-fi, and we just had a really good time talking to him. And uh, anything you want to say, Miles? Uh, no, it's just uh, you know, hearing him talk it up. I re- I'm really looking forward to going. Um, 
it's, uh, I mean, this, this should be a really nice convention. And if you're a Stargate fan, you're going to love it because a lot of your, your people are here. And I'm going to love it because um, three three people from Star Trek are going to be there. So yeah. Hey, we're excited. Uh, we're excited yeah. about it. Uh, and for those of you that are outside the United States and are not going to shore leave, you know, uh, he speaks a lot about what it means to be part of a fan convention, fan-run convention. Uh, and so there's even something in it for you. And so we obviously are excited because we're going to be going to this. Uh, but if you're not going to this, uh, we hope that you can enjoy the process with us and uh, hear from people uh, that are going to be there. And we'll be recording live from the convention. And hopefully it will be of some interest to you. So I guess without any further ado, why don't we go ahead and start the interview with Michael Schilling. Sounds good to me. Okay. We have a very special guest today. We do. We do. And this is a, uh, a, a guy that we've been dialoguing with who uh, is with a fan convention. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, so this is Mike Schilling, and he's working with Shore Leave this year, Shore Leave 31. Is that right, Mike? Yes, our 31st annual convention. Great. Well, Mike, why don't you uh, tell us just uh, uh, a little bit. You can kind of take it wherever you want, but why don't we start out by finding just a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your involvement with sci-fi. Hmm. That's a little bit. I know that's huge and broad, but maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, How much time do you have? Yeah, All right, exactly. Let's, let's see here. Well, I've been a science fiction fan since my earliest memories. Um, many of my earliest memories have to do with being introduced to the world of Star Trek and Star Trek fandom. I can remember my uh, my brother Frank, who's ten years older than I, uh, sitting down with me. Uh, way at the basement of my brain, I have memories such as this. Uh, funny the things you you know you can remember. It sometimes it seems like you can't remember what you had for breakfast yesterday, but you remember a small conversation from thirty or forty years ago. Oh, my wife tells life, me about that all the time. So anyway, I, he would sit down with me, and we would talk about the Enterprise and the Federation, and. Uh, taking on the Klingons and how important those secrets were and about the different ships and the different characters. And Of course, when I was very, very small, when a, a boy is that age, five, six, seven, eight years old, you're mainly interested in the, the phasers and the ships and everything. And then as time goes on, you come to appreciate different elements of it, you know, character, story, you know, social messages and things like that. You come to appreciate that later. But I've always been a science fiction fan since my earliest memories, like I said. I, for example, the uh, greatest uh, motion picture experience I've ever had to this very day is the day the original Star Wars came out. Uh, yes. you know, and I can, it pretty much colored my opinion of what good science fiction is you know, and what I like out of a movie to this very day. I've always been a staunch supporter of that. So I was... Uh, a sci-fi nut from the, the very, very beginning, and even though one's life changes, and <clears throat> pardon me, one's life changes, and you and you have different challenges in your life, you know, you get into relationships, and you have jobs, and different things happen in life. Science fiction is just one of those things that, you know, you love throughout the course of your life. You may not be able to dedicate as much time or finance to it as you get older. I've discovered that. That doesn't mean you don't still don't still love it. No, absolutely. And that's one of the wonderful things I find out about it. Right. Well, well, tell us a little bit about Shore Leave. 
go anywhere you want with this, your involvement with it, this year's shore leave, or the history, or any all of those things. Why don't well, we start with I, Why don't we start with uh, this year's shore leave? Tell me what you're excited about regarding this year this year's shore leave. Well, this year's shore leave is coming up as of this interview. It's just 17 days away, July 10th, 11th, 12th, at the Marriott's Hunt Valley Inn, just north of Baltimore. In the 31 years of its existence, it's been at the Hunt Valley Inn for, I believe, 29 of those 31 years. Wow. A partnership that we're very, very proud of and hope to continue. The Hunt Valley Inn is almost like a second home to us because we've, we've become so familiar with it over the years. This year's edition, uh, well, we always try to make surely very, very special year to year. It's a great source of pride to us. It's a great source of pride to all of us in the Shoreleaf Committee that we were able to do a all-volunteer convention every year, no matter how the economy is year to year. And a lot of very famous sci-fi, horror, fantasy, literary, what have you, conventions, very famous ones, have gone by the wayside in recent years. But surely somehow not only continues, but it, to paraphrase a certain famous Vulcan, it's actually lived long and it has prospered as well. And that is something that we are extremely proud of. Um, this year's edition may not have the kind of attendance that it's had the past couple of years due to the nature of the economy, but we're still expecting a very, very good crowd. Um, did your um, colleagues on the podcast want a, a general rundown of what guest stars we have this year? Or Yeah, sure. That would be great. Uh, and maybe if you have anyone you're particularly excited about as well. Well, let's see here. Uh, being a primarily a Trek person, although, like I say, I love Star Wars and, and many other television series down through the years, Babylon 5 and what have you. Still primarily a, a classic Star Trek supporter. I'm very excited to have Mr. Robert Picardo again coming to our convention, who, of course, was the doctor on Star Trek Voyager and yeah. has been seen. I believe his character's name on Stargate is Woolsey, I believe. Yeah, that's actually where I first met him, so... <laughs> Okay. There are many. I'm not particularly a Stargate fan, although I do very much respect the fandom that they have. We have a right. tremendous amount of Stargate supporters who come to Shore Leave every year, who give us a lot of support, and we're very grateful for that. Um, let's see. And also Ethan Phillips, you know, known as Neelix, underneath all that makeup from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, let's see here. We have had some guest changes over the last couple of weeks. As so often happens when you put on a convention, guest stars that you might advertise for months and months might suddenly get a movie offer literally right before the convention. And if one has the opportunity to you know, make a movie compared to a personal appearance, what would you do? Oh, right? Absolutely. So this is very frustrating for us among the, you know, we lost two or three major uh, guests. We were, you know, we replaced them as best I could. Uh, let's well, not I. My other colleagues actually did the hard work. I just try to get the word out about it. Uh, let's see here. Besides uh, Mr. Picardo and Mr. Phillips, uh, let's see here. We have uh, three guest stars from the world of Stargate, uh, Jason Momoa, Rachel Luttrell, and Christopher Heyerdahl. Right. Uh, let's see here. Also, Adrian Wilkinson, who was in Xena and was also in Star Wars... This is called The Force Unleashed. Um, let's see here. See, I, I don't have it from me. I'm doing this basically from memory. Uh -huh. um, other actors we have this year uh, include, let's see, yeah. Miracle Laurie right. from the new series Dollhouse. Yeah, have you watched uh, that series at all? 
Only in some clips, actually. I've heard some, some good things about it. Yeah, it wasn't a bad show this year. It, was a, it, it kind of started slow and then built up. We were, Miles and I were both really excited by the end. Yeah. So, Is that yeah. a Joss Whedon series? Yes, Josh Whedon. So it all, the man who created uh, the Buffy television series. Yeah, also and that and, and Firefly, which is probably one of the bigger ones. So, A lot of Firefly fans out there, too. I did see the film Serenity. Yeah. I had wished it, it would have done better. It was quite an extraordinary picture. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> who, who else did we... Um, I think you have Clifton Collins from... Uh, right. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you for your reminder. See, some of these um, actors and actresses we've picked up only in the last couple of weeks right. have lost some of our guest stars. But Clifton Collins, who I think is going to be a very interesting guest because he has quite a, a background. Uh, he has quite a lot of film credits to speak of. Most notably... Uh, he was um, Eric Bana's second-in-command right. from the new Star Trek film. Right. A.L., I believe his character's name is. Yeah, And the Star Trek film is still doing great in, in the box office. Yeah, so. And that's something that we're very excited about because the new Star Trek film, and when it was being produced, I said to myself, let's see, it's coming out in May. Our convention is in July, historically, always the second weekend of July. Uh, if the film is still playing at that point, and it certainly is, People will be talking about that. Ergo, people will be really talking about Star Trek. Even people who historically never really were Star Trek fans right. will be talking about it, as you know, which has not happened for really, perhaps even since Next Generation times, right. back in the late 80s and early 90s, which should definitely add to the level of excitement of this year's convention. Mm. Uh, we've also added Jonathan uh, Sheck. I believe I pronounced that name correct. <laughs> yeah, Miles correct. and I were deba- Miles and I were debating that earlier how you pronounce his last name. But. Right. I had to ask my convention chair people uh, how do you pronounce that name. I kept saying Shayosh and things like that. They said no, it's Sheck. <laughs> okay. Um, so he was in. Uh, he was the lead in the film Houdini. Uh, he was in Prom Night. I think he was in That Thing You Do. And also from a local angle, I've been told that he's originally from Edgewood, Maryland. Oh wow! Which so is a, a local a, boy. Right, exactly. It's from a suburb of Baltimore, and that should draw a lot more local interest. We haven't really had a really locally born or trained actor at Shoreleaf since uh, Dwight Schultz was a guest some years ago, who I believe came out of what was called Towson State then. Okay. So, and that drew a lot of excitement. Oh, good. So, let's see. Vanessa Angel, who was um, well, a model actress who's been in the business for like 25 years. Uh, she was on TV's version of Weird Science. Right. Um, I don't know if you're looking at the website right now. Have I left anyone out? No, I, I believe you hit absolutely everyone in there. So, so that, that's about 10. Now, if we had all kinds of time, and if I had the website right in front of me, I could give you chapter and verse of all the different writers and scientists right. and artists we have. We're talking 30, 40, 50 names. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of writers and artists that you have coming, so... Surely always has been able to draw a large number of science fiction and fantasy writers, especially from all up and down East Coast. Among the more popular names that I can just reel off without really thinking, Peter David, Michael Jan Friedman, uh, Howard Weinstein, Bob Greenberger, um, Keith R.A.D. Candido, who I believe just won an award just recently for Best uh, novel Novelization of a Film. In fact, Mr. DeCandido is going to actually be roasted on that fact on Friday night. We're going to have one, our first ever um, roast to benefit the Red Cross, act, actually, for Mr. DeCandido. So he's one of our regulars as well. 
Oh, very, very nice. Now, uh, what what draws? What do you feel it draws the people, draws the fans to Shoreleave? Other than other than the guests that come there, what is it that draws them there? I mean, there's mm. a thousand and one conventions that exist around the U.S. Well, maybe not quite, but you know what I mean. Well, there are many, many answers to that question, and I can only go based on what I have seen. I'm going to Shoreleave. Not you know, I've only been a member of the. Um, the organizing committee for a handful of years, but I've been going since number eight. Okay, okay. wow. This will be my 23rd. So what I've seen over time is um, part of it is tradition. Uh, it's, it's good to know that as other conventions have gone by the wayside, Shirley has been able to continue. Uh, people have literally grown up, you know, at this convention. You know, people who were teenagers, when this convention first started, have you know their own children, in some cases grandchildren now, that are coming to this convention now. And year to year, you see these children grow up. Anybody that you've, you know, who's been coming for years to this convention, you see people. Oh, I years ago I remember that person when they were so little, and now they're grown up and everything. So the tradition is a fun part of it. Um, one thing I always brag on about Shoreleave is is that we offer people lots of different choices. There are some conventions which shall remain nameless, which um, they may give you some really big names, much bigger names than we'd ever be able to afford being a volunteer convention. Um, and they'll give you perhaps a very large dealer's room. And really, that's about it. That, that's all you get. At Shoreleave, we try to give people a wide variety of choices, especially on Saturday. I mean, all the time, but especially so on Saturday. There can literally be 10, 11, 12 tracks going at the same time. I mean, you can seek out a special guest and get their autograph. You can go into uh, a memorabilia room, yes, but you can also do some gaming. You can go into a video room. You can attend a workshop. Um, you can go and, and check out the, the art show, for example. Um, there's all kinds of fan panel discussions going on at the same time. There's all this science programming where you can actually speak to people from the, the Hubble and the Goddard um, the Institute, which I believe is down in uh, Greenbelt, I believe it is. Okay. Um, and other organizations, you know, to come up to talk about the latest in scientific discoveries. So th there's any number of things you can do at any one particular time. So everybody in the family can generally find something that that they can you know can really enjoy and and you know make it feel they've really got money's worth. Um, my my sci-fi experience is very similar to yours. Um, started when I was a very small child watching the original series on a black and white TV in the early '70s with my father, and really took off you know when I saw the first Star Wars movie. Um, I haven't been to a shore leave yet, but I've been to the last couple of far points, and uh, which were held at the uh, same, same facility. So I'm really, you know, I, I had a chance to go to a shore leave this year, but I'm excited about going to. Uh, I mean, uh, far point this year, but I'm excited about going to uh, shore leave. Well, we're very, very glad that you, uh, you gentlemen, are, are coming this year. We yeah. really look forward to having you. Yeah, I, I guess I was wondering too. Uh, it's it's called shore leave, right? Uh -huh. it, 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 tell me the history of this name, the history of of you guys, how you guys got started. <laughs> well, this is a a bit before I actually joined the club, but this is what I've I've come to understand. The name of the convention, shore leave, is taken directly from the classic Star Trek episode of that name. Try to. Th 
you might recall the um, speech, you know, that uh, Kirk had with the uh, the keeper of the planet towards the end of the episode. I do. And they're talking about. Um, I think Spock was involved in this conversation too, and they they mentioned that this planet was an amusement park. Uh, what did Spock say? A place where people could go to see and do all sorts of fascinating things. And out of that idea came the idea for for shore leave. You know, so you have the reference to the classic series, and you also have the idea where in the world being as complicated as it is and getting more and more complicated all the time, people need a little rest. They need a little shore leave. Right. You know, everybody has their own lives, notwithstanding what William Shatner may have said many, many years ago on right. Saturday Night Live. We all have lives. We have jobs. We have, you know, families and issues to, to deal with. We all do. But it's nice to know that no matter how old you get, you can still come to a place like Shirley for just one weekend out of the year and let it all hang out and just be whatever you want to be and have fun. And no one chastises you for being a little bit different out there in, quote-unquote, the real world, such as it's called. Even to this day, although it's a lot better than it used to be years ago, people generally still make fun of sci-fi fans, you know? Right, I mean, I'm right. sure you've run across that, pre- you know, that prejudice. Oh, yeah, life. absolutely. My they wife. Kinda, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you kind of get that look from people. Oh, what a, you know, what a geek, you know? Right. Why do <laughs> you watch that kind of stuff? Why don't, watch, why don't you watch a real show right. or something like that? And you, you get tired of it. But when you go to something like Shirley, it doesn't matter what you like. No one makes you feel different or ostracizes you because of that. And to a younger person, you know, who may feel like an outsider, this is all the more important. And you remember that when you get older, you know, and you, you still remember that good feeling. And one of the things that's made me so happy over the years, what Star Trek and, and fandom in general, regardless of whatever show or movie it might have been, is the friends that you make in fandom because of these conventions. Even long before there was such a thing as the Internet, you know, hard to imagine that there, ta- there was a time before that. Right. But, you know, science fiction fandom was always very, very tight and very, very social. And uh, the friends I've made through Shore Leave and the people who organize Shore Leave every year are among my closest and dearest friends. And that's really why we, we do this every year. Now, you know, it, it's, I know it's an old hackneyed expression, you know, but it is literally a labor of love doing this every mm-hmm. single year. And, and obviously a lot of work to bring up a convention like this. Tremendous amount of, amount of work. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even begin to tell you an exact yeah. number, but right. there is um, maybe um, 40 or 50 members in the club itself, but that doesn't really count for the entire squad of helpers right. who come in and help out just for the weekend right. and everything. It, it could number you know, well over 100 people who team up on wow. that. You know, wow. and it, it takes a lot of work, and it's it's all worth it. When, when people come up to you afterwards, or or even during it, or we receive emails later from all kinds of people. Some of them have been doing this for th- for thirty years, and some have been to their first shore leave and say that was one of the best conventions I've ever been to. The guests are so nice, and the staff is so nice, and you know, it's such a nice area. Well, it it makes you feel like it was worth all the hard work. Oh, absolutely. Now. You mentioned that Shore Leave as a name comes from Star Trek. Was it ever just a Star Trek convention? Well, 
um, in the earliest years, you would say, yes, Star Trek is what put the track down, so to speak. In those days, you would have, you know, maybe like a, a George Decay or a Walter Koenig, and among the first writers who ever came to the convention were people like, you know, uh, Robert Greenberger and Howard Weinstein and people like that. Okay. And that would be your entire guest list, you mm-hmm. see. But as multimedia conventions got larger and larger, people came to expect more and more guests. Even up through, say, shore leave, maybe 15 or 17, you had maybe two or three, quote-unquote, above-the-title guests. And that was everybody, you see. Mm-hmm. But now people expect more and more. But in those earliest days, around, let's see, 1979 was Shore Leave 1. Okay. In those days, yes, Star Trek is definitely what started. What started it. But, as, like I say, as Star Trek has waxed and waned over the years, some, some years it's very, very popular, and some years it kinds of fades, there's always been other shows to talk about. I can remember in the 90s, the things that people were talking about. Even when the next generation was at the height of its power, um, people were talking about Babylon 5. People were talking about X-Files a lot, believe it or not. They really saw it as being in the same category, but that's what people were talking about then. Um, you know, see, you And, of course, there was that whole phase where Buffy the Vampire Slayer just kind of took over everything. You know, That was what everybody was talking about. So yes, at its core, you always have Star Trek, be it classic, next-gen, DS9, any of Star Trek, any of its forms is always at the very center of what created Shirley. But we don't really want to be pigeonholed as that's all we are, especially in recent years. If, in other words, you don't have to be a dyed-in-the-wool, Trekkie, Trekker, whatever your preferred term is, to go there. Right. There are so many fandoms from so many series some of which are very well known, like your your Babylon Fives and your Buffies and the old and new Battlestar Galactica, and then you have your more obscure TV shows, which might have only lasted one year. They could be new. They could be 20, 30, 40 years old. If you've got a crowd of say about fifteen hundred to two thousand people, which is generally what we get most years, that fit into that particular hotel, you are going to find somebody in that room who has similar likes as far as movies and TV as you. That's how easy it is to make friends at a place like that. So there's, there's a fandom for, for everything. Yeah, okay? wow. So that's why we call ourselves a uh, sci-fi media convention. So even though, yes, Star Trek is at, still at the center, and with the, the film doing so incredibly well, there will be much talk about it, and that's something I'm really excited about, get into a good old-fashioned debate. Um, you still have a situation where... You know, you've got representation from all these different fandoms. For example, in the main hallway, on the lower level of the convention, as you will discover very soon, you have all these different fan groups, okay? Yes, Starfleet is there. International Federation of Trekkers is there. But you've got all these Stargate groups that are are there. You've got Firefly groups there, okay? You've got Battlestar Galactica groups there, okay? All these different fan organizations you know, all seem to converge on this convention. And in many cases, they have their own little private meetings where they invite, you know, new, you know, potential new members to, to come in and see what they're all about. So there, there's fandoms for pretty much everything there. And that's, uh, again, just adds to 
the convention's ability to draw interest from all different sectors of the sci-fi and fantasy universe. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Now, you mentioned the new Star Trek movie cr- creating quite the buzz. How did you feel about the new Star Trek movie? Oh, I just loved it. Um, I knew when the credits started to roll that there was going to be a lot of activity on the message boards. That you know, Once the film opened, there was going to be a lot of talk. Many people would like it, and a lot of people would not agree because, yes, they did sort of bend canon. That was my, my feeling as I walked out of the theater. They were bending canon, but they weren't breaking it. Right. Uh, there were a couple elements of the story that were a little confusing, and there were a couple things I would have done differently. But if the whole idea behind that movie was to re-energize, reboot, if you will, the entire Tired Star Trek franchise, and that is exactly what the movie I felt was going to do, and considering the both domestic and foreign box office, people are agreeing. Yeah. What's especially exciting is, you know, I saw it in a sneak preview with about 300 fellow fans, okay? So I knew that we were pretty open-minded about this. Right. But... What is really exciting is all of the uh, non-fans who have who have seen it and said, "Hey, this Star Trek ain't half bad." You know, I might actually want to see a little bit more of it. So all of a sudden, people are talking about it again. They're interested in it again, and this creates a whole new. Literally, since this is quote unquote an alternate timeline, you can go anywhere with these characters, and the actors chosen for these roles were good enough in every single case down the line, that you definitely want to see more out of them. Right, right. So there will definitely be be a couple panels talking about the Star Trek movie at this particular convention, right. and I in, intend to sit in on as many of them as I can. <laughs> it kind of made it cool to become a uh, Trekkie again, or to talk about Trek. So. That's right. I mean, I've never gotten away from it, but like I say, that, you know, whereas for, for years it was kind of stale and people were talking about other shows, you know, like you just said, it's cool to to be to stand up in a crowd and say, "Hey, I'm a Trek fan. What you gonna do about it?" Right, right. You know? like, and you're not ashamed to do it, and it's actually bringing new people in, which probably has not happened. All due respect to Enterprise and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which had their you know individual special moments about them. Even I liked Enterprise a lot, but apparently not too many others did. But not since Next Generation has there been this much of an upswell in interest in, in Star Trek and the world it created. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and its synergy as far as its timing with this year's shore leave is very, very exciting. Right. That right. means that the, I mean, you can never really predict buzz. I mean, some years, if you go to a lot of shore leaves, you'll see some years the crowd's more up than others. And some of that has to do, of course, with the economy or you know, anything that's happening out in the quote-unquote real world at the time. Right. So some years it's up and some years it's, you know, a little more down. But this definitely gives you the feeling, even with the lower attendance, because of, you know, let's just face it, a lot of folks just can't really make that trip with the cost of memberships and stu- stuff and food and hotel rooms and what have you, um, that people are maintained that enthusiasm. And that's, you know, so going into the convention, the numbers I've heard for pre-registration are not that far behind the last couple of years, and that's, uh, you know, that, that gives you a lot of a lot of pride and a lot of excitement as the convention gets closer and closer. Yeah. Well, Mike, you and I could say we we we've been Trekkies before being a Trekkie was cool. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, we uh, a few weeks ago, we talked to uh, uh, actor uh, John Broughton from the Starship Farragut. I understand mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to be there. Um, how big has fan films played a part into your conventions? Oh well, it's really interesting about the the fan film network because when people ask me what I think about them, I say it's really interesting how creative Star Trek fans or sci-fi fans in general uh, have always been. I mean, all throughout the last forty some years of the existence of Star Trek, whenever the studio the powers that be, we like to call them, right. <laughs> uh, have denied the fans their dose of Star Trek. We make our own, don't we? Back in the day, it used to be, um, what do we used to call them? Zines. They used to write zines, write their own stories and everything. So when they wouldn't create new for us, we made our own. This is not a new thing, only this is just the latest technology. Now that the creation of actual film has become something that uh, the average man and woman can do, you know, on a average salary, you can get the equipment necessary. If you have a good handful of friends and you have some artistic skill, you can make your own film to varying degrees of technical proficiency. Um, now, over the last four years, it's incredible the explosion of of fan films that have come up, and organizations like uh, Starship Farragut. Um, and of course, the probably the most famous of all, you have uh, New Voyages, which has recently rechristened themselves as Phase Two. That's what they call themselves now. Um, one of the programming tracks we have at Shore Leave over the last two, three years, which has really been incredibly popular, is the fan film series. One of my colleagues in the Shore Leave Committee actually, um, what they do is actually contact these different organizations and try to get as many of these organizations to show their films as possible. In fact, the last two, three years, we've been able to run essentially a premiere episode in our um, large ballroom, the Friday night of the convention. I believe this happened two years ago with New Voyages, and it happened again last year with, uh, I believe it was an early cut of Blood and Fire, uh, which I believe is in a finished version now that they're going to run this year. Um, So it is... And I've seen, not all, but a great many of these fan films myself. And some are a little bit more polished than others. Some have uh, better acting than others. But it's very, very exciting to see so many fans take the time, take the money to, you know, show their love for Star Trek by creating these these films. And many of them are very, very good. And with Phase 2... So it's just a another element of fandom that that can make you very proud that we that we care enough to create such things, and also it's exciting that uh, Shirley is able to acquire many of these uh, films for uh, for showing as well. So and that's another place that I plan to be during the course of the weekend, catching some of these films that I haven't quite seen yet. So uh, you're right; that is a a very exciting newer part of fandom in recent years. Yeah. Uh, but on the whole, I think they're absolutely wonderful, you know, that, right. they're, that they're being done, and it looks like it's not going away anytime soon. Well, and I think it's especially appropriate at Shore Leave, uh, which is a convention that's kind of put on by fans, that, you, that you're showcasing the work of fans. Mm-hmm. And like I say, in, in past years, 
you, you always had things like zines and things like that, or people would put on little plays and things like that. Um, I'm not very artistic myself, but um, generally I've noticed over the course of, you know, being a fan most of my life that, like I say, fans tend to like, you know, they really want to have an outlet for their, their passion for, for science fiction and for Star Trek in particular. And now that the tools of filmmaking have become more, you know, have become less costly uh, for the average person, then, you know, people have been able to use this as a new venue for expressing that by creating their new, you know, the new adventures, whether it be uh, an alternate Kirk or an alternate Picard or, <coughs> pardon me, um, or like in the case of Exeter or Farragut, it's another ship happening essentially at the same, t- same time as the original series only in a different uh, format. So, you know, and I think Phase 2, what their thing is, is I believe the fourth and fifth years, you know, that if the show had continued, these would be the stories we'd be seeing. Oh, very cool. So, so if they won't give us the stories officially, you know, we'll create our own. We'll right. fill in our own gaps. Right. I remember what, uh, after Enterprise, the season closed, Rod... Rod Roddenberry said uh, basically to the fans, Star Trek belongs to you now. Yeah, so. yeah that, that kind, of, kind of fits in there. Well, uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, sitting here and interviewing us for the last half an hour here. And um, Believe me, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Now, if people want to find out more about Shore Leave, where can they go, where can they find out more about it, and where can they register if they want to come? Well, let's see. Uh, the very best thing that I can recommend is go upon our website. Okay, our official website is www.shore-leave.com. Shoreleave.com. Be sure to put the dash between shore and leave, though. That's very important. So shoreleave.com, that will get you all the pertinent information about where the convention is, when it is, who the guests are, um, all different tracks of programming, contacts, everything. We do have a 24-hour info line. Um, I think the number is 410-496-4456. Naturally, wouldn't have nearly as much information as the website would, but for those who want to check out the phone number first, they are certainly welcome to. Um, so those are the best ways to, to find out. Well, uh, Mike, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with Miles and I and just uh, chatting about Shirley for the past half an hour. And uh, we look forward to meeting you at the convention. And uh, we've been talking about it in the show, and uh, we're just excited about it. We're very so stoked for this. Well, we're really looking forward to, to seeing you. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Okay, now we have our trivia question that we're going to end the show with. So, Miles, go ahead. Okay, since we're dealing with the theme of uh, 
of sci-fi conventions, talking about shore leave. Um, our trivia question this week will be: uh, What is the what? What TV show inspired the first sci-fi convention, and what year did it happen? Ooh, that sounds like a good one. I don't even know the answer to that. But if you know the answer for that, you can let us know by calling 206-600-4824 or emailing us at zogpod at gmail.com. And uh, so those are two ways you can answer the trivia. You can also just let us know about what you think of the show, things that you like, things you want to hear about that we're not talking about. Uh, and you can do that by calling that number or also uh, emailing us. Uh, and how else can we get a hold of you, Miles? Uh, I am on Twitter, uh, Son of Wharf on Twitter, also Son of Wharf on Trekspace. Ooh, you changed your name on Trekspace. So that yeah, works? Just, yes. So that works. And you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, and you can follow me and talk to me and harass me or anything like that. And uh, by the way, if you know Hearn on Twitter, make sure you harass him about giving me his address. Because he won the contest last week and refuses to give it to me. So, whatever. So, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like you think you're more, like you think you're more important. <sighs> like someone's going to stalk you. I mean, what are we going to do? Show up show up at your door with a phaser? Take you out? But, um, maybe. Well, maybe. well yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that, just, that sounds good to me. Okay. But, all right. So, yeah. uh, I believe that's it. We will catch you next week. Go Transformers! More than meets the eye. Until then... Good night and good luck.